Hello strangers on the internets! Welcome to another exciting, beautiful, and fantastic episode of Now That's What I Call a Video Games Podcast. Today's episode, Now That's What I Call a Tutorial. There was a better name for it, but I've completely forgotten it. I'm Drew, and my favorite way to start the day is with a cup of coffee and a comic. Uh, my name is Adam. My favorite way to start the day... Oh, jeez, I gosh. Uh, you, you got nothing, I'll go for you. I'm trying to think like how I actually like to start the day. Oh. I like to start the day when I don't have... When i got nothing going on. It's all free, open to do whatever. Hmm. No obligations in the morning. So you just... Your ideal way to start the day is to just lie in bed. My ideal way to start the day is to wake up and not have to be like, oh, I gotta go to work immediately. Oh, I gotta go do this immediately. Okay, I like that. Yeah. It's classy. And my name is Zach, and my favorite way to start the day is with Pokemon in bed. What is Pokemon in bed? It is, I haven't left my bed, and there's a 3DS next to me, and I'm gonna start playing some Pokemon. You know, if you time this out right, if you, now hear me out on this, if you plan this out correctly, you don't have to leave your bed at all. All you do is wake up, pick up the 3DS, play a bunch of Pokemon, and then when you get tired, put the 3DS down and go to sleep. And then the oh, next dude. day you'll wake up and the 3DS is already next to you. I know. We call this chain pokeying. I don't. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I don't that, know that means. That's how that works. I mean, when you said that, Zach, I just, I wasn't sure if Pokemon in bed was, like, a metaphor for some kind of, like, some kind of, like, hobby or position. I don't know. I mean, maybe. It, it just, it sounded too, like, it sounded like a term. Listen, man, we're not here to judge, but Pokemon are getting pretty suggestive these days. Oh, God, don't. No, but, but actually, and for real, uh, some of the newer Pokemon are like, damn, I think you are just making that to see like what kind of weird fan art you guys guys get made. In fact, Aww. I'm sure this started off as weird fan art. What, Pokemon in bed? Uh, no, 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 I was saying some of the newer Pokemon are getting like pr pretty suggestive. It's like, oh, come on, you know for a fact that somebody's going to do something weird with that. Mm. You just know it. I'm looking at you, Gardevoir. Oh, that's the that's oh, the, the green thing that shows up, right? In the little yeah, in the like, little uh, avatars of adorable. YouTube commenters, and I'm like, what what is that? That's that's a Pokemon. Oh, okay, okay. And you're just like, oh, that's adorable. And then it's like, uh oh, <laughs> stay away from DeviantArt. Don't go there. No, Adam, I learned that lesson a long time ago. I used to uh, like Sonic, and now I don't. Oh, dude, there's there's, a, there's a new Pokemon in the latest set called. Uh... Is it the Blossom thing? Yeah, it's Sarina. Okay, what is it with the grass Pokemon being all super suggestive and whatnot? Well, Gardevoir is, isn't grass type. Well, Psychic, I guess. Like is it, Adam, is it because they're all natural? Oh, boy, Rapombi was right next to it. Oh, what an adorable guy. <laughs> What's up? Oh, I was, I was going to ask you if, if it was because they were all natural. It was it was a goof on the type. Oh, oh shut up. <laughs> I like to start each morning telling Drew to shut up from now on. I'll wake up, I'll get a little text on my phone. Just like, oh, what does Adam have to say to me today? I know I'm not supposed no, no. to check him yet, but oh, oh, he says he tells me to shut up. Well, okay. All right, well, 
setting a reminder to do that tomorrow. Oh, good. Uh, Drew, what kind of what kind of comics do you read in the morning? Are um, these like the the funny comics, or just like an actual like? Oh, here's issue 103 of Iron Man. Um, well, when I was a child, it was, you know, the Sunday comics, but, like, held over a little longer than they should. Wait. Uh, wait, now... Did you you genuinely roll up out of bed and pick up the newspaper and read the funnies? Well, I mean, if if the paper was there, I'd be like, oh, man, I want to read this, because these comics are great. Peanuts are great. Um, and these days, it's more, like, comics I actually like to read. Like, um... Like, uh, I got, a. Sandman Volume 2, like, by my bookshelf, and if it's, like, really close to where it is I have my breakfast, and sometimes just like, well, let's see, oh, I remember that horrible nightmare. Um, or maybe just, like, something I'm going through. Uh, for example, this week, uh, I was oh, reading... Wait, do you... Say wait, what? wait, wait, do you, do you still have Sandman? I do. I have... May I, may I, may I borrow Sandman? Oh, dude, oh my, wait, I didn't know you were interested... Oh, this is exciting and festive. Okay, Zach. Zach, do you want to start off with the original, or do you want to start off with the prequel that came out a few months ago? Let's, oh, jeez. Let's, let's start off with the original. This is <sighs> good literature, and I wanted to read it. Uh, I, okay, that's probably a smarter thing to do. It's just the new one is really good, but, like, no one's read it, because I don't know a lot of people who have made it all the way through Sandman to, like, be able to appreciate the new one, but I'm going to shut up now and just recommend that everyone read Sandman, because it's really, really great. This week, um, this week I've actually been reading Constantine, which I enjoy. Oh, how you liking it? Ah, okay. So here's the thing. I I knew about the movie, and the the character Constantine actually shows up in Sandman a lot. Like every so often, they just reference DC characters and other superheroes. Mm. He kind of complains about taking care of the spiritual realm a lot. He's got an internal monologue that you get to read alongside the actual events happening in the comic, and it's pretty much just him cursing and saying, oh my god, why am I doing this? People suck, while also still having a good heart. And I really like him as a character. Um, I don't know if that comes across in the movie, because I never actually saw the movie. Uh, I was going to say, because I remember in the uh, in the movie, he, he is kind of just like this everyday guy who's just kind of dealing with like the supernatural, spiritual stuff. And... I don't. I don't think he has. He doesn't himself have any particularly strong superpower or anything. He's just kind of some dude. That that's so that was the in thing. The movie. Oh yeah, go ahead. Uh, so that was in the movie. I just remember the movie kind of, kind of just seemed to do its own thing. But since I hadn't read the comics or kind of knew about the character, I'm not. I couldn't tell you how faithful it was to anything other than. There's a scene where he pulls out a cross-shaped shotgun and shoots somebody. Huh. Uh, it's the devil. Oh, well, that's so, good. You know, maybe that makes sense. I mean, that's pretty accurate. Like, Keanu Reeves in it, alright? I'll be honest, that that's what made me remember it, while also kind of making me feel like, okay, maybe this won't be the best movie. Which is a little unfair. Like, Keanu tries. He tries. Um, that's, that's a summary. So far. That's a summary of my week. So far, it's been um, it's been pretty rainy out where I live, and we've actually started uh, a new project. So emotions are very high at work. So it's a lot of yelling and talking about dreams of the future, and people saying it can't be done. So yeah, <laughs> but it can. I believe, Drew. I, I think you can do it, and you have two weeks to implement this unfinished spec. Oh, Adam, it runs even deeper than that. 
Um, there are things I can't say, but I'm going to tell you about them later, and we're going to have a nice, lovely conversation about corporate software. But until that Listen moment... Listen here, viewer. This will be the secret council. It's a secret council meeting for later. Oh, God. Ugh. Podcast number two, the secret council meeting. Ooh. <laughs> I like that. Um, Adam, what's but going on with you? Council <laughs> Let's see. Uh, I've also been pretty busy at work. Uh, you know... Trying to get builds passed, automation working. We uh, decided to merge in a bunch of changes all at once, oh, which is a that's... fantastic idea. I can literally recommend it to nobody. Oh. So all of my automation broke, so I, I spent most of my week fixing that. Uh, Games-related-wise, um, let's see. I played uh, a bunch of Overwatch. I'm trying to I'm trying to move myself into quick play territory. So. Most of the time, I, I play arcade and just kind of goof off. But recently, I'm like, you know, ar arcade kind of is fun. But boy, I'd actually like to start taking this a bit more seriously. So I've been playing with uh, a couple of our mutual friends, uh, like Drew, Justin, and uh, Laura, and playing some quick play games with them. And uh, oh, just trying to just trying to get in there more and learn some stuff. And what I've learned is that ev does every game really need a Symmetra? I mean, oh, really, does no. every game need a Symmetra? It shows up because of the end? too frequently. Yeah, so so everyone thinks Symmetra's really, really strong in quick play. Reality is, she's not as strong as you think and gets countered pretty easily by anyone with range. But still, quick play is quick play, and Symmetra can individually do a lot of damage. Yeah. Is it like, if, if your team isn't coordinated, Torment... Torb and Symmetra are really strong. I mean, I, di I just like Symmetra because she has that nice little laser that homes in on me, so I can't zip away, and it makes me all kinds of sad. So, she just frustrates me. She's like my second most frustrating character next to May. Uh, so I, I, I did that, and then, uh, did I talk about Resident Evil, the final chapter, last week? No! Seven? Or the final chapter? The, the not Resident Evil Seven, the the game. I'm talking about Resident Evil, the final chapter, of the movie. Ooh, I, I talked about that. Adam, I want to know. So you guys don't remember me. I don't want to like. Re I don't want the viewer to have to re-listen to my spiel about. No, that, no, so. you didn't tell us anything, and you need to tell us. This is news right uh, now. Oh. This this is this is oh. news. Breaking news. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. I'll do. I'll be pretty quick about this. Uh, Resident Evil: The Final Chapter, for a series that started off at okay at best, fell way, way below what I even I was expecting. Me and my cousin Rob have seen uh, all of these movies, but we never actually paid money for it. I, I think maybe he saw the first one in theaters, but we've always rented them from the library, like way after the fact, and we just watched all of them. So. When we heard that this was the final chapter, we said, okay, we're going to go to the theater. We're going to pay the money. It's the least we could do. I want my money back. That didn't oh. count. Jesus. Wow. Uh, that's wrong The words. first half of the movie, well, the first half of the movie, I, I say that not because it's bad, but because it's like, oh, uh, this was definitely not worth the 10 bucks I paid. Uh, the first half hour of the movie actually seems like it'd be pretty fun like action wise like it's got some cool cdi stuff and all that and it, it seems like it's building up to something but the 
second half of the movie kind of all takes place in this one environment and nothing just nothing happens like you can argue that oh you know they're wrapping stuff up and there's big plot elements but really nothing is going on hmm. um like these weren't things that these aren't big revelations that were sprinkled in throughout the previous movies so it's not like you know when they reveal who the big bad is it's not i i can't say oh my god it's that guy I had my suspicions, but how could I have known? It's literally, who the hell is that guy? Hmm. Where did he come? Oh, my favorite part. At the end of this, at the end of the previous movie, uh, they have this scene where the new self-insert Alice character and all these other characters from the previous movies and games and and Wesker are standing atop the White House. And they're prepping for the final battle. Okay. Wait, wait, Wesker's preparing for the final battle? Yeah, because at the end of the... I guess this would be the seventh movie. At the end of the sixth movie, he's a good guy who is trying to thwart Umbrella. And it leaves you on this big cliffhanger. Uh, to give some sense of scale, it's kind. It, it's looking like a uh, Battle of Helm's Deep kind of, kind of deal. Ooh. It's pretty cool, and the movie ends there. So you expect the next movie to start off right there. In fact, the movie has skipped that entire battle scene yeah. and has just moved on with it. <laughs> that sucks! That was yes. my favorite, because, like, that was my favorite part because at, at the beginning of the movie, she's like, oh, I can't believe I made it out alive. And like, what happened? Wait, seriously? Did I Rob, did you and I come in half hour late to this movie? What happened? Oh and no, it's, nothing happened. Uh, so it, it was pretty bad. Uh, this movie, like, it was way too dark, so you couldn't see or tell what the hell was going on. A lot of scenes. It apparently loved using jump uh, uh, jump cuts, you know, like just cutting to different scenes and such. Um, and I think I have to give this movie the award for most attempted jump scares in a movie. Mm. Because every time you could tell, the music would play, and then it would just drop out, and you're like, okay, something's going to jump out. A hundred percent of the time that happened. So it, Never it wasn't, did it try to change things up and scare you. So it, it wasn't very subtle with its, uh, with its scariness, was it? No, Drew. No, it wasn't. <laughs> well, I mean, because when I think Resident Evil, I think subtlety. Like, the best of subtlety. Yeah, well, that's that's true of the first four games. Resident Evil 4 kind of threw that out the window. Five, a little more so. And six just, like, fucking hail married it out to the, the goalpost. Yeah, I, I think it, what it is is I'm thinking of six, and that's what Resident Evil is to me right now. So I'm just thinking of that as the, the bar yeah, of yeah. subtle for that franchise. Yeah. It's super nice that, the, the, that I can finally say that the recent game is at least subtle and brooding and kind of dark, as opposed to the stupid movie, as opposed to the other way around. Mm. Yeah, I'm excited but, to play that. It looks really good. So that's what we did. But yeah, other than that, that's kind of... I haven't really been doing a whole lot else. So yeah, that's my week. Fantastic. So, you, Zach? Yeah, so my week, um, uh, on a personal level... Oh, apparently I didn't see that last Thursday. I saw it the Thursday before that. So, viewer, you might have heard this spiel twice. 
that's how bad this movie is that I, I mean, can't get it out of my head. I don't remember you don't talking remember about it either. ever, so I can only yeah. assume. So, so my week has been uh, pretty fun and interesting, I guess. Um, just been doing sort of standard work stuff. I've also been noticing the rain. Um, so I sort of, I sort of drive through the space in which Drew works every day. Um, I just general. drive through his office. <laughs> no, not through his office. <laughs> Terrible. <but. laughs> I my commute intersects with his commute. Hmm. Um, and so I've been dealing with lots of rain. Um, and uh, my work otherwise has been going pretty steady. Been pretty decent. Um, but yeah, last episode I believe. We made a joke about adding a character called Kellogg Blueberry to my Dungeons and Dragons game. Mm-hmm. Oh boy! I'm gonna say, I, just, I just want to let you all know, I fucking did it. Yes. I did it. Oh, he did it. Okay. Um, I was there. And, I saw it with yeah, my own eyes. Yeah, he was there. Um, and then later on, I added a very old lich that I called Bone Dog. Um. <laughs> Who who is kind of a crazy person? I love um, Bone Dog. Kill the party. Bone Dog um, is going to be our mascot for that entire campaign. So I I am going to ruin Bone Dog for you, Drew, a little bit. Oh God, you can't I, ruin Bone Dog. He's too good. I I got I the, like half the idea for Bone Dog came from a YouTube series. Hmm. Is is it at all based like off series? of Undertale? Like if you if you literally type in to YouTube Bone Dog. B-O-N-E, space, D-O-G-G, you will find what I'm looking for. Oh, I thought it was... I thought it was just spur-of-the-moment brilliance. Uh, no. I had pre-planned Bone Dog. Um, and the the extremely funny skeletons. Um, Mm. last, in terms of personal... Well, I guess this isn't the last one. The the, the real last one transfers into news. But, um, the, the last one, for me personally, is, like, yesterday... I was invited to a wedding. Oh, uh, congratulations! Fantasy fourteen. Oh, what? It's a very different what? wedding. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's pretty good. I wonder. I wonder if it's somebody I know from Santa Cruz. It's like, uh, no, it's it's uh, it's Final Fantasy fourteen. Zach, I, I have so, questions about what you've just said. Can you please clarify for me? So, so in Final Fantasy fourteen, there is something called the ceremony of eternal bonding. Which is you, you literally have to sign up and pay money to the game, um, with like a specified time and date, and then like you have to find like an open space in which to have your festivities. So you, um, you get and then, married and then in your the character game. and another character eternally bond. What does that mean? Do your stats improve, or is it just a little thing like a banner? It's it, it, it's. I have no idea if there's any real indication that goes on there. Because that's something. It's probably it probably gets mentioned in their profile somewhere, but it does nothing mechanically. That's it is just say... it is just a ceremony to say that these two people are together. Oh, Zach, I really wish you brought this up during our relations episode. It would have been. I great. Well, didn't know about it until he, now. He didn't get invited. So is it people like are these people you actually know in like real life kind of thing? Or are these just random? These are people. These are people who are part of my free company. Um, okay. And that's, that's like a guild, by the way, for people. Yes, yeah, that's a guild. Um, and thank they, you for clarifying. Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't personally know them. I or like I do know them, but for like a couple of weeks now, <laughs> they just invited me to it because I was like, 
hey, I'm down, and if I'm not, hey, I'll just hang out outside the cathedral and yell epithets at people. So That's then, right. like, Jack will be the go. cool monk who's standing at the door <laughs> wishing these newlyweds well as he uh, walks out waving into the sunset. Well, like, That's if he's a holy man, then he could commence the ceremony. He could... I... He could... The whoa, not wrong kind of monk. Oh, okay, I don't know. I haven't played the game. It's the punchy. It's All the right. Punchy yeah, um, just, punch, so, just punch the bride and groom. Yeah, yeah great times. Final um, Fantasy, sky's final the limit. News, final news for me is... Uh, is you are getting married in Final Fantasy fourteen. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, good. Um, but I'm not. Uh, so the last thing is... I always knew about this game called Senran Kagura. Uh-huh. Uh, and I we're knew it was... We're right in there. Oh, we're getting right into that one. Because cause I didn't... So so it, so to explain, because I didn't know what this was entirely, I, I sort of knew it as, as this like Japanese sort of like very lewd game. Um, well, give me some context, like more than just a lewd game. Like what, what um, is it? It's an action game. All the characters are like teenage girls, and they all have really big boobs that bounce around a lot. Okay. This is one of those games that's got crazy boob physics. And, and what do you it's what not, do? You it's do? not dead or alive. What do the boob physics have to do with the ludonarrative dissonance of the game? How do they enhance just, my player experience? Basically, their, their sexual traits are really, really center-focused. Um, <laughs> this is an amazing like exchange here, like, what does the lunar dissonance cause? <laughs> I don't know what I'm using that term wrong. <laughs> but I, I, anyways, wish, so, I wish Mateus were here to help us figure this I, out. <laughs> literally today. Anyways, literally today I go on to Komatsu because we're looking for news. And I'm like, why is there a bunch of girls in bikinis? Turns out Senran Kagura has made a game. Uh, Senran Kagura is a series. But um, they have a game where it's just the characters in bikinis with... Squirt guns, uh, varying sizes. Oh yeah, we Splatoon boys. They're like pretending to be Splatoon, but they also have jump packs that are just like these little things that are like strapped to their waists. And I'm just like, that's not. You ain't gonna fly with that. You ain't that's gonna right. get a nice bunny hop with that. You'll fall on your ass with that. We kids now and squids now. I don't think they are so... kids, and I don't think they are squids. I still think they're teens, and I still think. Here's my takeaway from sick. that is it seems like a lewd, perhaps copy, of Splatoon, which Nintendo could in fact sue, but would they I want to be at all associated with a game where you use squirt guns against against the I underage don't think ladies? I Nintendo would sue. Yeah. Uh, this okay. doesn't feel like flat-out copyright kind of Yeah, it's not, it's not like a flat-out copyright. Oh, no, no, I, I know. I'm, I'm being facetious. I'm saying, like... Would it create an awkward situation for the lawyers at Nintendo where it's like, we could technically get money from this, but, like, the PR would be gross and weird. I don't even know if they, they, they would really do that. From what I know is, it's just kind of... It's, I don't even playing. know what it is, but I just remember seeing the squirt guns and thinking, oh, yeah, that's Splatoon City right there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyways, like, I, I don't think it's actually Splatoon. I don't even think they're trying. I think they just have, like, a sort of generic shooter, but it's it's girls in bikinis, and they're all, I, I swear to goodness, they're all teens. Alright, listener, this is going to take hard-hitting investigative research. Mm -hmm. We'll follow up on this. Uh, sorry, not us. 
Zach will follow up on this story next week. Oh man, I am not following up on this shit. Zach, we're all counting on you. We need you to go deep. That's right. I'm talking U.S. and uh, Japanese uh, copy. Compare the two. Oh, See I just what we're being. Up for this. Why? All right, Zach. Here's what I want answered. A. What kind of squirt guns they got? B. Uh, are they using ink? C. Is uh, it coming out over here? D. Uh, I'll let you fill in D with your own special topic. Fill the D, Zach. <laughs> And on that note, we're changing stories. <laughs> do we do we have any other stories to go with? Um, anything else? Talk about Overwatch makes me feel better. Um, oh yeah, you you said uh, you mentioned something new, kind of about our our one of our favorite games, Overwatch. What, what new thing have you found? Oh, did Zach? I say that? Shit. Yeah, about the um, character. So, oh right, right, right. Um, so Overwatch, like today, revealed a a uh, new character. I don't have her name up right now, and I know it's very hard to pronounce. So I, I actually um, have a little bit of information on that. Um, oh, nice. So the character is, I believe, it's it's uh, Ija, or Iji, something akin to that. And the way we know about it is uh, Blizzard had a blog post. And on that blog post, they had a mock interview with this young, like, child prodigy genius genius girl talking about her her career for the future and what she wants to accomplish um so she's that's apparent that's the proposed new character and if you go through it it says she's a robotics genius she specializes in making drones and she has big plans for the future so it is um it is believed, a lot of it's just theory right now, but it's believed it's going to be kind of a summoner character who's going to bring in, like, different robots to help fight for their team and might fit that kind of niche in the game. And, like, none of it is official. It's all just, wow, this is a very obvious blog post. This is probably implying something. They've got, like, a little image of the character. Looks looks like something cool that could happen. Wouldn't mind a new character to play with. Um, particularly a summoner, because I don't think we have a summoner character. I, th- I think the core of the character, like, the speculation that I heard, so this is somebody else speculating, is that she's gonna stay in spawn forever, because murdering children is pretty fucked up. Hmm. Yeah, uh, that's the one thing, uh, Effie, it looks like. That's, that's what it is, thank you. Effie Oladella. Oh. Oladella? Oh boy, that's you know. I'm just gonna keep butchering that name if I keep trying. So we'll just call her the new girl. Effie. So Effie. So so I think Effie's just gonna stay in the spawn room all the time, and that she's just gonna keep reassembling a robot to go out and fight for her. Mm-hmm. And then she's just gonna remotely control the robot from the spawn room. And so that way, the character's there, and there's no violence to any children. But there is. There will be like she will have a presence in the game. She'll be a character you can sort of play as. Hmm. Interesting. That's my, that's my speculation. Right on. Well, I mean, it's all going to be speculation until we hear more hot news from Overwatch. But I think I think that's all we know about that, and I think unless anyone's got anything else that they're hoping to talk about, maybe it's time to move on into the feature. Hmm? Hmm? Going once? Sure. Going twice? You know, when, when I think... Uh, I got nothing. <laughs> you, you were trying. I, I can't think of many stories this week. <laughs> So, um, so this week's feature is tutorials and games. Um, something, you know, a pretty broad subject, something that I think we've all dealt with. We've all had to learn how to play a game. Um, 
And it takes many forms. Sometimes there's just like an isolated section where it's like, this is how you play. In early days, I think you could like funnel through a little manual and actually learn all the buttons and hotkeys for something. Um, other games try to just incorporate like a really good beginning level. But I think, I think we all know what a tutorial is. Um, and we've seen them executed to varying degrees of success. Is that a fair assessment for you two? Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. I, I, you know what? Shocking to everybody. I actually don't know everything. And so sometimes when I start a new game, I need to learn it. And mm -hmm. the game needs to be able to help me learn that. And I need to be able to learn stuff. <laughs> Excellent. That was a shocking revelation that I didn't know everything. Uh, I mean, I'm I... still not over it. I just assume that you know everything, Adam. I mean, you've never led me astray once in your life. Oh, God, that's... <laughs> um, sweating is happening right now. So, um, I'd like to just ask, what are some examples of tutorials that you've played that did not work well for you? That <clears throat> you went through and they kind of left you more confused or frustrated? Because I think that's uh, that's a pretty good place to start. It's interesting to see where the concept of teaching failed. And then maybe we can think about why it was frustrating and what you would hopefully do to see that tweaked or improved a bit. Um, for example, okay. uh, I, had, I had a huge problem with um, the Tales of Synthonia tutorial, because it was effectively a little fight in the beginning of the game, and then a bunch of grinding that happened later on. And it was this weird hybrid of telling you enough to barely understand basically a normal fight, and then not telling you anything of the that alluded to deeper mechanics in the game. I finished that game not understanding how half of the systems worked, and that to me indicates failure. And it was frustrating because I grinded far more than I had to for that game. And it was also frustrating because I beat it, and then I realized that I had been playing it incorrectly the whole time. So how did the how did the game's tutorial, or I guess in your opinion, lack thereof, like what did it do, it, kinda, I guess? It was, it was very much, it, it almost felt too basic. It was just sort of like, here's a fight, um, and then here's a, a wall of text for different systems in the game. Get to them at your leisure. Um, mm. And I mean, that, that to me is generally, a, like, a, I've never seen that work well, where they just drop a book at you and expect you to figure out <coughs> how a game is going to work. Yeah. Like, the tutorials needs to, like, teach you the fundamentals of, like, the core game loop and how to play the game effectively. Yeah, and... Like, I think like what happened here the is they, they did give me a basic game loop, but it was for an isolated situation, and it didn't really cover a lot of other ones that I came across later in the game. Yeah. I mean, it might be it might be a, a thing of, like... like I, I they, they throw a book at you for every module past that point, but it feels like there should have been something to introduce you to the concept of those, pretty much one after the other, mm -hmm. and it would have to be something that, like... They needed to give it to you in a way that, like, you were going to end up doing this thing. Mm -hmm. A lot of times you'll see tutorials that do, that try to do that specifically, but they'll do it with, like, a big prompt in your face. Yeah. Oh, um, I, so I hate that. That, that to me, is, like, a cardinal sin, you know? So maybe that's something we should, we should start off, uh, you know, because, like, using this as kind of a, a troubling example might just be good to clarify it. Mm -hmm. But kind of going over, like, how different games tutorialize and, like, yeah, one way that a lot of games do do their tutorials 
is by throwing these massive walls of text at you, mm-hmm. which, as Drew, you were kind of saying, doesn't always work because it's like, you want to play a game. And, like, it's important, but people generally just kind of want to start playing the game and kind of start poking around and experimenting instead of getting a wall of text thrown at them. Yeah, and, like, like I almost feel like that's a, a shortcoming on my part. Like, I... I very rarely want to read through an entire manual. I kind of just want to start and go. And that has bitten me in the foot before. And so I know that's a, like a personal weakness of my own, but I still feel like if I'm playing a game and it's for my leisure, then they should at least account for that for a bit for me. You know, like, it's not like, I'm not like learning like a hard skill. Like I, if I feel like I need to read a textbook to play a game, then I feel like I just don't want to pick up the game. You know what I mean? I think I can understand that. It's kind of like, if you have to do a whole bunch of, like, pre-studying stuff just to kind of get into it, uh, yeah, I can understand yeah. that. I, I do think, you know, tutor- You know, games didn't always used to have tutorials. A lot of them uh, were just like, like Zach was saying, here's the core loop, go. Uh, and, like, this is the older ones. And then, you know, games started coming out with manuals that explained it, and then they started having in-game prompts. That's very true. And I miss manuals. You know, it, I mean, it, games need to come with cool manuals and stuff that would teach you stuff, and you sit there and read it as your mom drove you home. Adam, did you flip through and read the character bios for every game like I did? Because I did that. I did. <laughs> I, I did that all the time. Like, that's how I... Yeah. Uh, speaking of Tales of Symphonia, mm-hmm. but there was, there's an aspect of that game that I don't think I ever quite understood... Oh, I didn't know you played I remember, it. I, I remember not quite getting it. So, uh, in Tales of Symphonia, uh, you know, Tales of Symphonia is an RPG, uh, you know, and so the point is to kind of do combat and kind of get in there, level up your stats and such. There was this point about uh, different gems you could, like, slot in, and I can't remember the name of it. Yes, them. yes, I, I know what be, you're saying. They could be technical or skill-based ones, and depending on how you used your skills, you would like level them up in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, now, granted, I'm talking about a game I played many, many years ago, and maybe uh, you know this is one of those things where it did tell me, but I just didn't quite get it. But I remember being very confused of, okay, so wait, if I level up in this way, what happens? Or if I level up in this way, what happens? And I remember not. The only reason I kind of, kind of knew later was. I bought a strategy guide and was like, oh, if you get this skill and level it up this way, it'll become this skill. I'm like, how the hell was I supposed to know how to get these different skills? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's an example of one of the, the like one of the like underlying systems of the game that was really important that I effectively just winged the entire way through. I just kinda gave whatever gave me the best stats and rolled with it. I was gonna say, but it sounds like you still beat the game with the tutorial, so it must have you know Either you or the game must have at least helped you learn enough to complete it. it that's true. Um, I'm just thinking of, it's one of the, it's something that I feel they could have done a better job with. Like, it's definitely not the worst example, but it's it's a game that I think of, like, man, I enjoy this, but this is one of the fundamental flaws of it. Like, I had to gr- pull in external information to really make it work. And sometimes that's okay. Sometimes games encourage that. Like, I think an interesting case might be Dark Souls or Bloodborne, where that they really, like, force you to, like, seek out information. Like, it's That's almost... That's true, yeah. Yeah. I think, well, I, think, I think what the Dark Souls games are trying to do is not necessarily force you to go 
outside of the game itself, um, but instead to to sort of try out different strategies and to sort of through repetition learn how to play the game. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's one of the the core upsides to Dark Souls, and especially uh, the tutorials probably been broken down a lot of times, but it sort of teaches you that. Even if you die, it's not that bad. You get to go back and you get to try again. And, yeah. Mm. You know, you get to keep trying and trying and trying until you win. And that's, it ends up being one of the core themes of the game. And so they deliver really well really early on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what always struck me as kind of interesting about the about Dark Souls is that, um, for, for one thing, I, I think they do a pretty good job of uh, tutorializing stuff for you. Because, you know, in like Dark Souls 1, you start off in the undead asylum and. Uh, you know, as you, you kind of wake up, somebody throws you a key and you're told to escape. And as you go, um, you read these messages. And the messages, well, forcing you to read the messages and having all of your tutorials being on those messages enforces one of its core mechanics of, you know, players can leave other players these little hints and clues. But right, there are yeah. developer-related ones that are, these will always be here so you can read them. And I think it did a pretty good job of it, if nothing else... Dark Souls tutorial enforces you, if you see this, read it, because it could give you a hint. Mm. Now, it didn't... I think the first iteration of this in uh, Dark Souls 1 kind of had a flaw, or maybe it wasn't a flaw, maybe it was by by design, where you could rate messages, and, uh, you know, if you walk past a message that says, this has 400 ratings, and it says, treasure ahead, it's like, fuck yeah, treasure ahead. But in Dark Souls 1... There is no distinction between a people saying this is a good or bad message. It was just, yeah, I rate this. So it could say treasure ahead, and you walk forward, and there is a cliff, mm. and you fall. And it wasn't a, and I, maybe this was an oversight they wanted to correct because in two and three, you can, and Bloodborne, you can rate them up or down, so you can kind of get a sense of this mm. has like three thousand bad messages, but two hundred good ones. I'm hmm. thinking this is on the level. That sounds like a good idea. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I only have the Bloodborne version of that. And I don't know if that quite... I don't know how I even uh, learned that, but it, I, that was something I picked up throughout play. So I, I don't know if that qualifies as teaching you, though. Like, I think... When yeah. I think of, like, a tutorial, I think of this is, this is your, like, your boots are getting wet situation and how you kind of introduce and ease someone into what they're going to be doing. Um, yeah. Uh, well, maybe that's a that's another good thing. We like different because um, because like there's the the wall of prompt text, but there's also ones that are like kind of more woven into the gameplay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, you know those seem to be the two kind of popular methods, but there are probably other ones. Well, I mean that um, like that gets to uh, another one of the the questions I have, which is what do you what do you guys appreciate in a tutorial? Like, what do you look for when, you, when you're playing? You're like, oh, I'm so glad they did this instead of this. Would you tell me what you appreciate in a tutorial, Adam? Um, mm, you know, I guess I have, I have to say I, it kind of depends on the game. Uh, Sometimes, you know, from what you were saying, you know, one of, the, one of the things that can be kind of troublesome is when you just want to play a game, but the game keeps throwing these giant prompts in front of you of, you know, I, I just want to do this. Here's this wall of text. Read this and all that stuff. Um, I guess I do kind of prefer the ones that are more woven into the gameplay. Mm-hmm. Uh, to kind of jump off of a 
what I consider a good example, uh, I've always really liked how Bioshock 1 did its tutorial, where you you get into the tower, you uh, pick up the radio, and very, very cleanly woven into the narrative, somebody kind of gives you instructions and uh, tells you, all in-universe terms, you know, go get this plasmid, which you realize is, oh, that means go get a power-up, or that those are my powers. Mm. Go get a gun. Um, you know, if you see somebody standing in water, shock it, then hit them, and it, it calls it the one-two punch. And, you know, so whenever you see water, you can think, oh, yeah, the one-two punch. Mm. Um, so I guess I like those kind of tutorials where uh, it, doesn't it doesn't pull control away from me, but it does kind of, like, tell me, okay, go do this because something might happen. Um, I guess, you know, because to me, a good tutorial, almost a very, a really good tutorial will make you feel like you discovered it yourself, even though the game has been, has been pointing you in that direction. Mm, if that, that makes sense. That, no, that, that totally makes sense. I, I absolutely agree. Mm. Yeah. What about you, Zach? What about you? Um, I think what makes a tutorial great is um, it, 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 you know, it, I, as I said, it's, it's sort of the MVP of the game. It needs to tell you what is the important aspect of this game. What, what is the thing you should be focusing on? It's, it, it's the section of the game that needs to help the player narrow their focus on what is the important aspects of these games. And then it needs to show you, um, and then it needs to show kind of give you like a jumping off point through which you can sort of uh like through which new mechanics or ideas sort of come at you and sort of prep you for it so like mm -hmm. i would say the the tutorial in um the tutorial in tip of your tail symphonia tales of symphonia what? Oh, okay. um, we'll just use that as our example for now yeah yeah um that one from way back um so, so that tutorial did a bad job of, of prepping you for, like, new things that they would add on to the systems. Mm -hmm. um, and they did a bad job of saying, like, oh, you should be looking at these aspects. These are the important aspects that are going to carry you through the game. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think uh, in that respect, it's, you know, it's, it's sort of interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and I also think that, say, like, Dark Souls tells you about its core loop and the most important aspects of it really early on. I mean, you learn about upgrading your weapons and armor and things like that later, but even then, it's it's sort of small tutorials at later moments that say, hey, you should increase, you know, you, you can use Titanite shards to do this thing. It's a little bit of a, like, you need to find the person first, but that's sort of the whole aesthetic behind Dark Souls anyways. Mm -hmm. um, and, it, and that's reinforcing the theme of exploration in that game. Um... Well, I think it also helps, at least in Dark Souls, that uh, it doesn't really start... It doesn't kind of start giving you information until you can start doing stuff. Like, mm -hmm. it doesn't really start telling you about upgrading until you are at the blacksmith, at which point it's like, okay, talking to this guy, now you have now accessed upgrading, or any of the blacksmiths, really. Yeah, that's... like any of them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so that, that's what I think is, is a good aspect to that game and it's because it's a game that's about exploration people would like people can encounter with but you never know what's going to happen next and i'm like well that's again that's kind of the point of the game well I, but yeah I, and i think the one that say uh what's the what's the one that adam talked about 
I was talking about Bioshock One, and that that was kind of my right. example of a of that a tutorial one, woven into the is, gameplay. That one is an insanely good job, by the way. It it so it it gets you into the atmosphere of the game. In in and then in character, it tells you guns are important, plasmids are important. Try to get more Adam. <laughs> like, oh yeah, try to get more me. Yeah. yeah, like like the game really swiftly tells you what is the important mechanical aspect of this game. It nails it very good, very very well. Yeah. And it does it without it does it without a whole lot of uh, standard tutorializing. Um, I, I might be remembering the intro wrong, but I, I think no 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 you you've definitely got it right. Like they don't I don't think they ever even really pause the game right. Like it's they pretty don't. much just like wait, they do or they don't. Well, they do actually. They, um, they, they do, but it's I'm hearing like different they, things in character cutscenes. Like they they stop you. Okay, I, I guess oh. I'm thinking more like when when the game presents something and then it pauses and gives you a little screen of like, okay, now hit this oh, button. Oh yeah, no, no, no. Like no, everything no. from that beginning is very fluid. It's very like, oh, I I should probably hit this button now. I could have done it earlier, but now's this now's a situation where it's useful. You know, it, nothing's taken away from you. It's just slowly. It feels more like things are being slowly added. You know what I mean? Yeah. How about you, Drew? What do you kind of look for in a good tutorial? Oh. Or just in a tutorial in general, or what you think makes a good one? Well, I mean, you guys have both brought up really excellent points, so I'm just going to take the swill at the bottom of, you know, what else there might be. Um, I think, as I mentioned earlier, I prefer it when the game doesn't stop. You know, like, yeah. like uh, again, like, I like integration. I like it. I like it when, like, the story is typically integrated into a tutorial. Um, I think of... Uh, like... The way Metroid um, Prime starts off its game, where oh yeah yeah you, that's a good one. You have this whole it's basically just like a section a section you never go to again, and it does a lot of the same things Bioshock did, where it's like you're introduced the narrative idea of like where you are, what you need to do is pretty basic and straightforward. Um, you know you get power ups, but it's all kind of it it slowly introduces things and it doesn't pause you. It just kind of presents an environment where things are safe to play around with. You can be given something and you can experiment with it. There's, it, it, you know, like, it doesn't feel like your hand is being held, just like you're in, like, a nice, safe place. And you go through the loop, you find a boss, you escape. It's, um, like, everything you need to know about the core of that game is presented right then and there. And it's presented in a way where it's, like, it all feels natural. Like, that to me was just the start of the game. It didn't even feel like a tutorial section. Like, sometimes, some games like to just have it be segmented out. I remember when I played uh, Metal Gear Rising, what it, what they do is they have, like, a whole VR section, and that's effectively just how you learn what different buttons and different combos do. So that for the main campaign, they don't faff about about you slowly building up. They just have the main story of you being this character who has these skills. And... To some degree, I do like that. I like the idea of, like, you know, you can have the game be its own thing and not rely on this, like, slow build-up. But yeah. I, I, I find it's usually more impactful if it's all put together. And um, I don't know. Like, that that might just be me. I don't know how other people feel about it. Like, Adam, I know you really liked Rising, right? Yeah, and that, that makes it. That's something I, I guess I hadn't thought of, is that there is a distinction between a tutorial level which is here's just this one level that is just the tutorial and then the game goes on versus kind of having your tutorial uh you know level built in with the main game 
And yeah, Rising, I think, did a pretty, like, did a really nice job of, I don't think you have to do the VR section except for the first time where it teaches you everything. Because afterwards, uh, Rising is really good about this, is it doesn't, it doesn't keep coming back with more prompts and more stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, as kind of a bad example of a tutorial is, uh, shockingly, Skyward, uh, Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword, I feel like, did a really bad job uh, tutorializing things. But not because it didn't teach you it correctly, but because it was constant all the time. Like really, you'd be you'd be hours into the game, and it would still keep popping up stuff like you could uh, characters would still be saying you can bomb this wall if you do if you press Y and like do these things. It's like this is the third time you've told me I got it. And, and Rising, I remember, did a really good job of here. You know. Suffice to say, sometimes front-loading everything doesn't work. But here, I think it did because it's like, here's all your basic skills. You got it? Good. Because the first level, you're going to have to do them. Hmm. And it was very quick to internalize. Um, you know, So I guess that that is a point for having it sectioned where you can just say, okay, you did that. The game is not going to keep coming back and telling you as opposed to Zelda where uh, specifically... Weirdly enough, it was just this one Zelda that kind of did that, where it was like, you need to stop. I got it. Well, to be fair, I, I think Skyward Sword is kind of considered the black sheep of the family right now. Um, it seems to be the most heavily contested of the games, of the of the recent Zelda games. Um, yeah. I, I think that'd be fair. It had a really good story, it's just the gameplay was a bit, uh, or especially the world design was a bit questionable. Yeah. I found. I feel weird because I feel like I should root for, yes, integration, integrate it all, make it all feel natural and cohesive. But at the same time, when I played Rising, it was very refreshing to just be like, okay, I'm ready to go in right now. And so the game starts off like an action movie, and you're playing through this big action sequence, and there's no slowdown, and there's no hand-holding or assumptions that you need to know something. It just assumes you know everything yeah. from the get-go. And that's kind of cool for me. Yeah. Actually, another uh, game... I will say, uh... Oh, oh sorry. sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, like, Zach, do you remember Robotech? Oh, I'm trying to remember this. Was it the, uh, the Mech Pilot game? Yeah! They did the same yeah, thing. Right. Wait, 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 wait. Was it the one with the, the giant robot with the skull face? Yes! Yes, it was! Yes. Um, oh, man, that wasn't my favorite top-tier robot, by the way. It was the one with all the missiles on its back. Oh, man, I mean, <laughs> that's very true. Very true. Um... I like that game a lot. It, it does the same thing, where it has, like, a training depot, where it's just sort of like, you know, you're at the academy, and then it just pops you right in. And that's a situation where it's kind of integrated, but it's also, it's weird because narratively you are in training mode. And I thought that was really clever. I thought that was, like, really cute to do. Like, they give you a crappy little oh, mech. Right. It's got a lot of, like, defense, but it can't do anything. Uh, and then when you're in the real world, they give you real-world toys to play with. Give you real world toys to play with. Not, <laughs> oh no, they do. Ones. <laughs> take them training wheels off. We off done your, here. Take the training wheels off your giant death robot. Yes. Um, now, one thing I'll say because uh, we've been talking a lot about how integration, uh, you know, integration and gameplay is good. Mm-hmm. I, I did mention earlier. Uh, it does depend on which, what kind of game I'm playing. That's very and true. At least for RPGs, I almost kind of like when they just kind of throw something in my face about it because. Um, this is this was one of my kind of my complaints about the original about Dark Souls and stuff like that is that um, 
while it does do a really, this is my personal opinion, while it does do a really good job teaching you the controls um, and kind of going through a lot of the kind of minor and the minutia kind of stuff isn't really explained until you either, you know, maybe it was through some hints and you, you could miss them or stuff. But I feel like a lot of the stuff, like especially the stats, wasn't really conveyed in game, and it was kind of hard to figure out if like, is this actually helping, kind of thing. Yeah, it's mm. something. It like when I was playing, like even when I was playing Bloodborne, if someone didn't tell me, if, if I didn't have Ian telling me, basically, um, that like, like giving me a breakdown of how all the stats work, it'd be very hard to figure out what the hell is going on in that game. Mm. Um, but. It's, I, you know I can what? see why they made that decision, though, with yeah. those games. Like it, because I can see again. Like I can see why because they they were trying to. Because again, it's a it's a game that's largely about exploration and exploring spaces and finding things. It, to me, so right. it feels like it's consistent with the game. way they want to teach you, right? Like yeah, 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 yeah. I, I guess, uh, but yeah, like I said, I. For me, stats and stuff, I kind of would like just a really basic breakdown of, okay, what am I, like, when I'm looking at a stat sheet, like, even when I'm playing, like, you know, a tabletop game or stuff like that, I kind of want to know, like, okay, if I put this in, what am I actually getting out of this kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, with um, exploration, I feel it's a different thing because I understand, yes, the whole point of that is to explore, but stats are kind of, have always just been kind of odd to me of, like, why are you like not kind of telling me what these things do? I feel like you're like you're gonna pull a fast one on me later. Of oh yeah, if you have this, if you pump this stat, it's not helping. Like Dark Souls One has an entire stat called resistance that did nothing. It, it boosted it boosts your resistance to stats effects. So I take it back. It does do something, but it is borderline useless. Um, I- so. Stuff like stuff like that. I have a tangential question, Adam. A small tangential uh, question. Um, gentle question. So, I keep hearing these jokes about decks from Dark Souls, and I don't really know what they mean. Is is that like a is that like a big stat joke in Dark Souls, or is that just like some uh, weird no. subculture I found on the internet? I think that's it's probably. I think that's uh, people who use knives the entire game and thought mm. they were the coolest shit. Oh. Well. Because dex weapons are, uh, especially in Dark Souls, uh, is strength are like your big, heavy weapons. These are like your giant broadswords and stuff like that. And the dex weapons have traditionally been these smaller, uh, you know, you're trading damage for lots of attack versus, um, you know, one single really strong hit. And that's, that, that's generalizing it to a great degree because... Especially in that game, you know, you have stamina, your endurance, but that's usually how those kind of go out. Um, mm. Bloodborne really, like, boiled that down considerably. If you were using a skill-based weapon, it was mostly fast attacks uh, for not as much damage. Um, now that I think about it, uh, I actually have to think, think Bloodborne actually had a pretty bad tutorial. I remember I had a friend who pointed out, as I was trying to teach him to play, that if I wasn't there, he would be completely lost and very pissed off. Well, uh, our friend Matt also had a, a really hard time with Bloodborne in specific, uh, specifically. Uh, now, we've all talked about how great it is, but the more I think about it, uh, I actually think Bloodborne had a, like, 
it was pretty bad because there were a lot of core mechanics that it just didn't seem... How I put this? Leading up to Bloodborne's release, there was a lot of press and interviews and gameplay previews where it would explain how these mechanics work. Mm-hmm. Like how I hit somebody, and if, I, if you rush in and hit them again, your health reach blenches, or you know, you can switch your weapons to do different stuff. Um, or, you know, I don't know if you guys knew this, if you hit up on the D-pad, I believe, you can just cr- make bullets. Like, just use blood bullets. Yeah. I, I, I have I, learned I that. that accidentally. But, I, um, <laughs> I think the, the weapon switching, I believe... Uh, that might be a bit extreme, because I feel like it has to have told you that. I... I don't think it told you directly, but I also when think you like, die, if you play around with the buttons, you're going to figure that out. When you die, when you're in the Hunter's Dream, which is kind of like, for people who don't know, the Bloodborne, is, um, it's where you go when you die, and you decide to level up and fix yourself all, make yourself all healthy. There are a couple of little notes on the ground that tell you, hey, press this button, it'll do this, hey, press this button, it'll do that. Uh, but right, it, lets, that you, it lets you get wrecked before you start hunting around for ways to make yourself work better. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess to me, you can't make you work to make yourself better. But I do have to say though, um, blood gems, which is what makes the like what makes your weapons useful later on and makes you more effective, like actually effective. Like it, it's cordoned off in like a little side area. They don't even tell you about it. Hmm. Yeah, that was weird. Um, yeah, they just missed that whole thing. But that that's like you know a term for like level design. Well so then, like, like yeah, well yeah. hold on, hold on. Well, like, do no, you want everything explained Fun. from the beginning, right? That gets back to my original problem with Tales of Symphonia, where there are these other systems that I don't want to know about, but I do need to know about them later, and they never get explained. Now, yeah. does that does that mean that you, like, have, like, incremental tutorials throughout? Because that changes the way you even talk about teaching a player. You know what I mean? Well, I have an example of that. I'm really? Gonna, I'm going to get to that real quick. Um, no, take your time. Uh, so... Zach, the thing you're thinking about are the uh, hunter runes. Like that's cornered off in the Hemwick Charnel Lane. Blood gems you just kind of pick up, but oh right, you do get blood gems. Yeah, so so the it's reverse of still, that. Well, but it is kind of weird. That is a little weird. Um, Anyways, um, the thing I was going to say about Bloodborne was Dark Souls kind of forces you to walk its path of tutorial messages. Uh, Bloodborne, I think. It's only if you choose to kind of explore the hunter gene will you see them. But I just remember, it, like, there was a, I kept getting surprised, like, oh yeah, if I hadn't watched the tutorial, vi- the uh, preview video to see that, I may not have known about that. Mm. Like, parry, repose kind of stuff. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, so you were talking about tutorial, like, incremental tutorials of, like, I'm going to introduce a new mechanic. How do you teach the player? Yeah. And, like, that even goes um, to, like, Zelda and power ups, right? Like, Every dungeon in that game that something introduces exact. something new. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. That was my exact uh, uh, example of The Legend of Zelda, especially Ocarina of Time, and this is where I first realized it, and when I realized it, it was like, oh my god, this is this is brilliant. Mm. Uh, every dungeon, you get a new item, which is, which is a new mechanic. And so how do you teach a player to use a new mechanic without it feeling kind of weird? Well, in Ocarina of Time, when you get a item, it is always in its own room. And the only way out of that room is to use the item you just got. Oh. So, so when you... Uh, it, it's very... The example I'll use is in the Deku Tree, when you get the slingshot. If you go into a room, 
there's a floating platform in the center. You jump to that platform and you jump off to the treasure chest. When you jump off, that platform shatters and you get the slingshot. And you're, initially, you're kind of like, okay, I can't get out of this room. There's The platform's dead. But if you turn around and look up, there's a, there's a ladder kind of hanging on the wall. So your brain thinks, okay, how do I get that ladder? Well, I must be able to, you know, I, I bet if I use the slingshot. So use the slingshot. And it's in a position where you will have to kind of aim and use the controls and fire one off, get the ladder down, and now it's taught you how to use the, the slingshot. And you can aim and look around now. Mm. And that was yeah. just one example of, like, that was really clever to me of, like, if you want to get out, you're going to stay in this room until you figure out your new toy. Yeah, yeah. So that's 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 an example of solid of solid sort of tutorial design right there. What's, what's in, Metroid does they the same to, thing. Yeah, so I think it's 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 solid design. It's basically like when they give you something, when they add a new mechanic to the game, you have to sort of like, you have to find a way of making it so that the player immediately engages with that mechanic, especially if it's going to be relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is why there's so many like, there's a bunch of games where there's these sort of like aborted mechanics where they just sort of introduce them and then let them go. And sometimes they end up being really functional, useful mechanics. And that's where sort of the tutorial fails. And so like in your sales of Symphonia example, which we're going back to a lot, um, uh, they, they, they brought up the mechanics. They, they would bring up mechanics later on or give you access to mechanics later on. And then they wouldn't tell you like they wouldn't immediately make you use it or they wouldn't immediately put you in a scenario where that is both the most efficient way through and the most sort of like, it's sort of like it'll immediately come up in your mind. I mean, obviously it's already going to sit there in your mind pretty quickly, but, but yeah, so, so when you're adding a new mechanic, you have to make sure you need to make sure the player interacts with that mechanic, make sure they use that mechanic and make sure that they overcome some obstacle via that mechanic so they understand why it's there. Well, see, I I want to play Devil's Abdicate. In the game, there's cooking, right? Now, cooking is not essential to anything you do, and there's no way to block you off from continuing that game without cooking. It's just a cool thing that you can do, and if you take advantage of it, then you're going to be much more functional and useful. But it's not essential. So... You can't do kind of the Nintendo school of tutorializing Actually, with that. I, I did. I there's there's a way of doing. It. Like I, th- I thought of a way of doing like exactly that system while I was thinking about it because I was thinking about the Tales of Symphonia food system and I was like remember going like I never did that and then it turns out it was super useful. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way you do it is um, you have to have a lot of NPCs mention this and to get that that constantly tell you this, but basically you introduce the food mechanic when you can use food to sort of, like, maybe inoculate the party against an upcoming threat. Like, you know the threat's coming up in this dungeon unless there's lots of poison. Well, let's say you can make food that gives your party poison resistance mm-hmm. or something to that effect. Um, and so, so somebody says, ah, we're going to go to this, this area with poison. Why don't we cook up this particular food item that'll help us deter against the poison? So you immediately go like, oh, okay, I can make food items that help me against poison. Like, the way they showed it in the game, the way they showed it in Tales of Symphonia was you can make bread and food that will make basically make potions or mana potions. And I'm like, 
so why don't I just buy potions or mana potions? Like, that, that's the problem I had with it, is that the way they introduced it to you, it didn't immediately solve a problem of yours. It just mm-hmm. said, here's this slightly cheaper option. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's a good um, point. I think that's a good one. Like, just incentivize. Like, you don't have to force it, but, like, heavily encourage situations where doing this thing yields reward. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, and that's part of a good tutorial of, like, giving context to your actions, but also kind of, like, some little thing that's like, oh, okay, I see why I want to do this mm-hmm. kind of bit. I I had one I had just like a weird situation that I encountered that I kind of wanted to run past you guys, um, and it covers a few things that we've covered already. Wait, but, are we in the lightning round? Well, you, uh, no, I think we were still talking about stuff. Oh, oh we're still talking. Yeah, um, just wanted to bring something up, um, and that has to do with optional tutorials, right? Um, like you know, sometimes you don't have to play a tutorial. Sometimes it's just like, okay, go and die first. However, right. right. However, if you have some important story content, or if you have a situation like in Metroid, where that entire beginning area is really important to why you're doing what you're doing, then skipping that kind of messes with your experience. Now, in Dishonored 2, they were responding to a lot of criticism from the first game, where it never really taught you how to play the game. So they had an optional tutorial section. However, this optional tutorial section, it ran you through, like, most of the core play of, like, sneaking around, tackling, fighting, but it also was a really, like, story-heavy section of the game. It was, you know, Emily growing up, Corvo teaching her how to defend herself. And so, by skipping that, you actually miss a really important part of that relationship. And so, it's weird to me that they made it optional, but at the same time, if I wanted to replay that game then it makes sense that I'd want to skip it. So I felt conflicted. Like, I want to say it's a really good, well-built tutorial because it integrates story really nicely. But I also know that they've made it completely skippable, and a lot of people are just going to go in the game straight and just let themselves get wrecked, like, you know, just natural. Like, kind of like the way I like to play, where I just jump in and I die until I figure things out. And I don't know how to feel about that, because it it kind of has, like, different ways of weighing what's important and what isn't. I... I like how it incentivizes you to go play the tutorial, but also kind of, like, so you have to go through boring mechanics to get the fun story bits. Well, I mean, um, like, I don't even know if it's incentivizing, because it's just, like, when you start the game, it just says new game, and there's a little tab, if you look for it, for tutorial. Like, you kind of gotta say, like, you actively make that choice to learn how to play. And if you yeah. do, you're rewarded with, like, a really important part of the game that, like, kind of affects how you see each of these people. So, it, it was really strange. Can I ask? Can uh, can you go back to this tutorial at any time? Like you can. Like from the. Uh, so if if let's say you're playing, and you you decided to skip the tutorial, but then later find out, okay, I'm in the middle of this game, this playthrough. I can't. I don't know how to do this thing. Um, would the tutorial still be that kind of like story segment, or does it try to like? contextualize itself as oh okay now you're just remembering these things. No, no, it, it's. Or, I, it just, it doesn't contextualize itself at all. It feels very much like a prequel chapter, like... Oh, that is kind of weird. Yeah, uh, and what's weird is, like, when you start the game, they have, a, they have, like, a secondary bit of tutorial sections. Like, they have, like, other stuff that you kind of get, like, taught later on. But without the first bit, I don't know how you got Wait. to the second bit. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, 
It's a great so, game. I just I feel conflicted about the way they did tutorial because I really like it. It's a really great section of the game, but I don't know. I don't know how I feel I about guess, making it optional. You know. I guess to me, uh, I mean, it's 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 better than what they did in Final Fantasy XV's tutorial, which is so optional. It's basically meta. Um, yeah, and it, that was and it's, kind of a weird one. Oh man, sorry. So. So the Final Fantasy XV tutorial has you in, like, empty rooms teaching you how to play the game. And there's no, like, it doesn't tell you anything. It doesn't explain what you're doing. You're just well, in I mean, a blank it, room. It, it, uh, it does explain the mechanics, but I, I forget. Um, I, forget if it, I forget if the tutorial tells you this part. Uh, whenever Carbuncle, that little cat thing, is around... That usually means it's in a dream. So I guess this contextualizes this is Noctis's dream. Noctis when is I dreaming did... about a bunch of blank rooms where he trains. Well, I mean, this is this is him in the in the palace. So I guess this is a room there. But I do remember it being very kind of bare bones. Like, okay, this is the bare Jeez. minimum you need to play this. I'm not even. I'm not even joking. They, I bet they slapped that shit together in the last week. As someone who, if I may, as someone who hasn't played the final game, but played the demo, that's really surprising to me. Because the demo was a dream sequence, and it was surprisingly elaborate. And so it's very strange wow. to me that they just cut that. Like, uh, which, which dream one? The, uh, Noctis the was a kid. Guy? He was on his own, and there was like, you were just like going around in this forest, and then you were this very tiny little like person in this room full of toys, and then yeah. you went out to this other section and you grew up and fought a big boss. And it was... A to, say nothing, yeah. to say really nothing about it as a tutorial, uh, the the Dream episode, I think, what the Platinum Dream demo, I think was more of a tech demo for the game. So mm -hmm. it kind of makes sense that it would just kind of show you different things. On yeah. the other hand, that is a pretty good demo of just like, hey... It's night and day. Look I, what's happening. Or, hey, go fight these things and explore. Go do things. I guess uh, that's why I'm... Con like, I'm confused to hear that Final Fantasy's actual actual beginning is so bare-bones when they had such a well-crafted way to begin the well, game. <laughs> if you don't start the... If you don't do the tutorial, that game starts off in, like, almost in media res kind of way of, like, all right, oh, yeah. you know what you're doing. It's like, wait, what? But if you, yeah, no. you play the tutorial, uh, the tutorial does teach you stuff, again, very bare bones. Like, you have to demonstrate that you can do them, which is good. That's that's a good thing of tutorials to be like, make the player demonstrate that they can do the thing. But it is kind of weird how bare bones it is. Yeah, it is. Huh. Um, okay, well, yeah, I mean, so that was... Is... Oh, go ahead. Yeah. It is it's super bare bones and it's really tutorially. Hmm. Like yeah. the the issues we talked about earlier with like pop up buttons and stuff, I, I found it to be really like Final Fantasy fifteen, I was just like, Hello, yes, I know I'm in a tutorial and I I felt like I felt like I was in like uh, a a like uh like I was I was attending a seminar or a uh or like a I conference. don't know if I go that far, but I it really it, it was one of those tutorials that made me feel like I was sitting in a business meeting where they were trying to teach me something, and I'm like, I'm going to fall asleep playing this. I think we can all agree that's that's typically not a feeling you go for. You typically don't want that. 
Uh, since we were talking about like you know emergent mechanics, I had a kind of a question about one. Sure. About a game I've been considering, sure. um, and that's about. I think Drew, you had said something of you know kind of leaving some mystery up to the player or something, or kind of let it not telling them all the things immediately, mm-hmm. and letting them kind of play around. Uh, and I was thinking about. Uh, I, since you're talking about uh, tutorials of obscurity as kind of the main gameplay mechanic. Um, And what I mean is I I can think of two game examples that I think do this, but I'm not, but since I've only played one of them, I'm not entirely sure how well either does it. And the two games I can think of are Starseed Pilgrim and The Witness. And those are two games where there is no tutorial. It is strictly like you know. We we talk about games where it's like, oh, let let the player, uh, you know, it'll kind of guide the player. But these I don't think have any tutorials. They just say go, you raw figure it out. The, the witness, you... the witness definitely is just like go forward, and it gives you simple puzzles. And then so much yeah. of that game is just figure out how things work. Um, and it's gotten a lot of it's gotten a lot of criticism for that. That's very much a play style that you either buy into or you don't. And I've never played Starseed Citizen, so uh, I can't speak to that. Star Pilgrim, Starseed Pilgrim, uh, to give some context, because it's a really small indie game that kind of just popped up. Um, and what you do is this will kind of go in because now that I think about it, I don't think I don't think we all went around and gave a good and bad example of tutorial, but we kind of have. This would be, to me, one example of a bad tutorial, but I'm conflicted because the core gameplay was being obscure experimentation. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you get these little seeds that you plant, and each each seed does a different thing. And you will not know how each seed interacts with each other, nor what they do, unless you experiment. Which, to me was super frustrating. Like, I didn't enjoy, like, having absolutely no idea what I was doing. Uh, and, you know, I kind of put the game down because at some point I just didn't know how any of these mechanics worked. And um, when you were you were asking about bad examples, I was going to say that one, but then I kind of thought, well, the, mecha- the core thing was experimentation. So I guess I want to know what your guys' thoughts are on well, when I mean, a game's if thing you- is... Are confu- Do whatever. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Um, yeah, that, that was my question. I would say if you are confused and frustrated and don't know if you're doing the right thing, then the tutorial has failed and the game has failed to give you confidence in what it expects of you. So I would say if you felt frustrated by it and not in a challenging way, then it probably wasn't a good tutorial. Now, how to fix it, I've no idea. That seems like a very interesting challenge, of like how yeah. do you how do you keep things hidden while also letting the player know that they're doing the right thing, and aside from maybe giving them like collectibles or something nice that says hey good job, I'm not sure the best way to incentivize that. So, <laughs> so my reaction is wow that's hard to do. I, I think I think it would mostly be just like the the only way I could think of is just shortening the loop, um, and or sort of. Um, not telling the player anything, or just giving the player a bunch of space to experiment, and that's kind of that's kind of my big problem because it totally did that. Hmm. Oh. The the conceit of the game is that you are just in this blank white zone, and you plant these seeds, and what seems really and really wasn't apparent to me until I looked it up 
was that you are apparently building out this this like world kind of thing. Like you're actually building the landmass to go to all these different little spots. So it was cool, but I never got that by just exploring. I thought I was doing something wrong for a while. Oh, I see. So they didn't. So, so that means the game didn't properly tell you like what the point the game was about. Yeah, but and that's where where I thought, you know, where I was unsure of because it didn't tell me kind of like what rules it was operating under. But if that's also the point, then I may have just picked a bad game for me, kind of thing. Maybe. Um, uh, anyways, I was gonna say it seemed like The Witness kind of did that pretty good because doesn't it like have a bunch yeah. of puzzles that will that like each one kind of builds up. Eases you into yeah. it and then immediately opens up, and that's the point that either makes or breaks it for you. Um, but Zach, since we've all talked about games that gave us like not the greatest examples of a tutorial, do you have any terrible examples you'd like to talk about? Um. Yeah, because I just realized uh, any t- any tutorial for your grand strategy game—they're all really, really bad. Well, that that's a bit <laughs> that's a bit vague. Like, uh, is this like can, can you stuff? pick one? Civ Civ is better, but um, like Europa Universalis or A Heart to Iron, like lots of paradox games, very bad at telling you how to play the game. Um, and you need to go look up like tutorials and guides, and it's just because those games are so insanely complicated, they have no idea how to teach you. Hmm. I see. So it's almost like. Would a tutorial almost be useless because there'd be so much to sift through? I feel like if they want to give you a tutorial of that game, of those styles, styles of games, they already do a bunch of menus. They really could just sit you down on a full playthrough of this one thing and sort of like step-by-step step go over each of the different aspects of the game really slowly. Mm-hmm. And if you really... If you really don't like how insanely slow-paced it is, you're probably not going to like the green strategy game genre in general. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like with those kind of games, like it's kind of built into what... like It's a game where you know you're doing something slow and methodical, so maybe the tutorial should match that. You know what I mean? Like, the, Very often the tutorial will be like, you click on something and it's the first time you clicked on it, and they're like, here's what this does. Here, read this reams of text. And I'm like, yeah, oh, but... Boy. Because, like, sometimes it's like, oh, that's really useful, I'm about to use this thing. Other times it's like, I don't know what this thing does, and then I clicked on it, and then you're like, here's how to use it. And I'm like, okay, I guess I didn't need this right now, and you forget about it. And and so it goes back to what I said, it's like, when you open a, like, when you need to use a thing, that's when you need the tutorial. Hmm. Anyways, do we want to move on? Well, I was going to say, does it do, like, tooltip kind of things where it like kind of yeah oh yeah helps you no, out like things, hey those things tooltip here's this like thing. crazy oh okay i, I think it's yeah, just interesting games, that you're good on the tooltips i'll give you that one they're good on the tooltips more tooltips i think it's <laughs> got all the tooltips <laughs> i think it's just interesting that you've kind of hit on this point that placed like the what what you're going to be doing once you actually learn how to play the game kind of matches what you how you should learn it right like yeah. how would how would you feel i I don't know, like, I feel like in that case, like, just give them a book or a video, you know, like, sit them down, give them a half hour of lecture, even though that seems like something that you would hate. Like, that'd be hilarious. I would, <laughs> I guess, you know how funny it would be is if, like, the game just gave you, like, a, a half hour, two hour, like, Well, no, 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 <laughs> yeah. what it does is it has, it has the video of a game, and it has commentary while playing the game. The video oh. of a game. It's a let's play. 
but it's also your tutorial. Yeah. I, I could see that working. Right? Like, I, I was going to say... Uh, that's how you learn how to play those games anyways. Yeah, like, I, I've learned more from Overwatch by just, like, going on YouTube than I have, like, going through the little tutorial bits of boops that they give you for, you know, shits and giggles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, kind of jumping off what you were saying, Zach, uh, I was trying to think, you, you were saying, like, the grand strategy ones are kind of a little too complex. I was going to say, it seems like, when I was playing MOBAs, those seem like really hard games to write tutorials oh for, because there's just... There's just so many interconnected things. Mm. It's like, oh yeah, no, no, no. How do you do a good tutorial? Because the League of Legends one that I played woefully prepared me for that game. I think at that point you just do community. You just rely on the community. The thing, yeah, the thing is, is is in high competitive games like that, and say like Counter Strike and stuff, like they don't. Those tutorials never teach you anything. Like the tutorials are, are basically worthless. Um. And they, they basically teach you the absolute bare minimum, here is how to how to function in this game. And they tell you nothing else. Mm. Um, and it's, it's kind of a shame, um, but it's, it's one of the endemic issues with, with high competitive games. Um, uh, like genre and like, uh, and like the competitive shooter genre. Like all the weird tips and tricks that happen. And that's a lot because the, like a lot of the mechanics at the highest levels especially tend to be player created mechanics like wave yeah. dashing and uh uh yeah fight, fighting games often have a have that issue of just like there's so many different little things that you that you need to know about um, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah and, and it's like, just it's it's just an issue with competitive games it and i don't think that's going to change super quickly i will say uh it, you know since if you're interested in fighting games, Skullgirls actually has a really fantastic fighting game, like, in general, tutorial. Yeah, how how do they do it? Fighting games with good tutorials. Uh, <laughs> just so, haven't seen... Especially in cooperative games, like, uh, like, like, cooperative competitive games, where you work... Oh, yeah. Well, because that's because you need a... You need, like, another person to also kind of bounce stuff off. Adam, yeah. I'm curious. Um, how, how does Skullgirls do it properly for you? Like, what about it worked? Well, to me, it was just, like... It went into such deep, like, every little minute detail was covered. Like, uh, uh, sometimes you might get a, a game that just says, here's blocking, and, you know, you can block high and you can block low. Mm-hmm. Scroll Girls I, was the first tutorial I can remember where it said, okay, block three high attacks. Okay, okay, I got that. Block low attacks. Okay, I got that. Okay, for the next, like, minute, you are going to be blocking high and low, and it's going to be random. So you're going to be... So you get into the mood of like switching high and low during a combo. Oh, that's cool. That's Uh, cool. And there was like, and then it went into really, really great lengths of explaining. Okay, here's a light attack. You know, it's quick, but it doesn't do damage. Here's a medium attack. It has really good range, but uh, and pretty decent damage, and it's mostly fulfilling. And here's heavy, and all of these things, and it's just presented really nicely. uh, And I think what really worked for me is that it uses the link the kind of lingo that the community uses it doesn't try to be like you know if this is a guard break it doesn't try to be like here is a breaking guard kind of <laughs> thing it's like no this is a guard break you go online everybody knows what a guard break is so if, if i understand you correctly they they basically give you drills for for the way you are supposed to use the buttons basically yeah it, it it's set up as a 
your character is in a classroom and there is a teacher kind of like teaching you all these things. And she's like, okay, turn in your homework. Go do this assignment. Go, go. Block these block these attacks. Oh, that's do, cute. Do combo. In-world story building in a tutorial. I like it. It's good stuff. Okay. So I, we're at about the hour and a half mark, folks. Let's go into lightning round. Just a uh, quick go around the room. Uh, example of a game that did a good tutorial, something you feel is admirable and worth uh, worth mentioning. Um, uh, I think I actually used all mine. Oh. Yeah, AI, Bioshock, and Zelda Okay, all really good ones. All right. Um, yeah. I, ha I had one. I just wanted to bring up uh, the Bayonetta. It lets yeah. you it lets you learn combos during the loading screens, which I thought was really clever. Like it'll while it's loading up a level, it'll have you like practice stuff, and I thought that was cool. Um, all right. Well, if nothing else. Anyone any other, got any other questions? One lightning question. Yeah, what's up? We only really got one example from Drew. What's a game that does a bad job of a tutorial? We heard your Tales of Symphonia one. Oh, um, um, well, I guess I just want to hear just one more. One more bad one. Yeah, one more shitty tutorial. <laughs> a nasty, terrible, <laughs> crappy tutorial that made me sad and angry. Hmm. Let me think here. Nothing. The only one I, in uh, the only one I could think of was a uh, Demon Souls, where there's an entire world and character tendency that is super plot important, super duper important. The game never ever at any point mentions it beyond a menu that is just an image. Okay. Good okay. stuff there, game. I've got one. I've got one, guys. So this may not be the worst. But it's the goofiest and stupidest. Um, Sonic Heroes has an optional tutorial section that is just you running in a field, going through a couple of bars, and then it says you did it. And it's, it's like it's like the first level is so radically different and more involved than this like goofy like hand holding like baby's first steps. And, like, the difference is super jarring. It, it'd be like um, if you were playing Dark Souls or Bloodborne, and there was a tutorial section somewhere that you could go to that said, you can walk forward and kill the skeleton with a swing. You did it! Congrats, you're the best! And then they immediately yeah. threw you into a later section of the game. Um, <laughs> it, it was just super dumb, and it brought back Omachow, which I'm going to not get into. Um, okay. We'll get into exactly. it next time. Maybe. Um, um, I do not. I don't think I have a really shitty example off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. um, trying to think of one, and it's mostly just really annoying, boring stuff that I've had to do in some RPGs. Yeah, um, that works. Yeah, that works. All right. Uh, yeah. Well, in that case, pour outs. Anyone got some tasty toasts or pour outs? I have one. What is it? See, see, I don't have a bad tutorial, but I have a pour-out. I'm going to pour one out for Persona 4, whose tutorial, I kid you not, lasts two hours. Oh! Dude, that's a second pour-out. That, <laughs> that lasts forever. <laughs> it does. It like, wasn't bad, it, but like, fuck, when do I get a fight? Never again. <laughs> Like, like they do. They don't give you a combat tutorial until you are well, like two hours into the game. <laughs> hmm. I I have a pour out. I'm going to, as I mentioned earlier, I'm I'm going to pour one out for Oma Chow, Sonic Adventures 
attempt at teaching you along the way. They have this little robot character that just kind of pops up everywhere, and he's basically Navi, but not not a good version of Navi. The kind that you kind of want to punch. So a lot, people, a lot of people wanted to punch Navi. Yeah, well, I mean, same situation. <laughs> uh, I'm going like to pour one out. I, I have two pour outs. One for Navi. Yeah! <laughs> Just trying to teach you how to play. Navi, I realize that you were essentially a mid-game tutorial. Well, shut the hell up. Oh. And two... I'll pour one out for a game called Jurassic Park Trespasser. What? Oh, Jurassic Park Trespasser is is a game I could talk at hours about. It's it's just a okay. weird thing. That game, its tutorial was wrong, <laughs> and I mean it would tell you things that weren't true. Oh, it actively lied to you. Uh, no, I think they just didn't bother to correct themselves. Oh, oh good. That, that example, sounds nice. Like, hey, if you aim if you aim down the sights, it's more accurate. It's like, no, it's not actually more accurate. You have the exact same accuracy no matter where you're shooting because your damn bullets just like fucking ray out immediately. There's no mm. projectiles. Don't lie to me. Mm. <laughs> Shit like that. I see. I see. Oh man. All right. Man, well, that's it for me. On that beautiful note, Zach, give us a lesson of the day so that we may. Continue on with our lives. Hey, everybody. It's time for the lesson of the day. Today's lesson is... Teach someone how to fish. They might just fuck up. And you'll have to teach them again. That's the lesson of the day. Yay! Wow, that was amazing! <laughs> I forgot to thank everybody. Um, oh, well, all right. you know, that's okay. Um, you know, it reminds me of the fishing game from Zelda. Oh, uh, one day, one day, we'll have an entire podcast talking about fishing games. You know what? Just you wait, sir. We it's will. Mini-games. Write it down, write it down right now. We did it. Okay, everyone, we're gonna think up new cool ideas. Thank you for listening. Hope you had a lovely time. Um, see you later. Bye! Hope you, hope you learned something from this tutorial podcast. Hey. Bye. Bye, everybody.